Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Podcast Land. Thermal convection, man. These dudes almost killed me. You know, redfish are really dumb. How do you take your marsh dump? This fool used all my toilet paper. Bro, Well, now that Drew's done dragging this on. TPP15. You gonna get a dozen shrimp? Hey, you throwing that cast net again this weekend? Over oh, Lord. I almost died. I do not want to paddle that far. Once again, he almost died. I'm not waking up at butt crack dawn. I'll see you at the launch around noon. I love wake baits. Haven't you ever heard them chatter? Let me double back here first. And now, a word from Saltside Jet. Oh, yeah. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the paddle. Check out our sponsors. Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. No, like, check out our sponsors. Check out our sponsors. I know you're gonna dig this. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live from the Bait Butler's And I can already see that the bro staff is in full effect in the comments. Seth has already said his sharing spree is complete. So that means he's put We can't do it without without Seth's sharing spree, man. You gotta have it. Two different groups that he put it in. Guys, it feels great to be back with you here live from the Bait Butler studio. Chris, it's been a minute, man. It's been a minute. We only put out one episode in the past month. Um, We had a lot of stuff going on, man. We, We had a lot of stuff with the hurricane, home renovations. Football games, rod building, tournaments. Is hurricane home renovations like one thing? Uh, for you, I believe it was. <laughs> it kind of was, man. Those, But we've got a lot of listeners that are on the coast, and if you were affected by the hurricanes, God bless you, man. I'm sorry that you had to deal with some of that. But, uh, yeah, it was kind of like a hurricane home renovations all in one for me, for sure. Yeah, we, we had a lot going on, man. And, guys, we're sorry that we only gave you – you know, we usually do every two weeks. But there was there was a month – uh, in between the episodes. So, all we can say is sorry. But we are back. We are committed to bringing this to you guys every two weeks. Um, we've got a lot of stuff out of the way and finished now. Well, some stuff. I have a lot of stuff out of the way and finished. Chris, I don't I don't know how much you got It feels like it'll never be done. Yo, I want to ask, though. Did everybody enjoy the Bro Code episode? I think because they did. I saw a lot of positive feedback about the bro code episode. I got a lot of comments about it. Let me tell you something though. Besides the bro code episode, um, man, I was getting a lot of memes sent to me with like the Dave Chappelle, like, "Hey, man, you got any more of them episodes?" Because <laughs> <laughs> we we just we really were running slim, man. And guys, it wasn't that we didn't have any content to bring to you. It's just that. Honestly, our lives just kind of got wrapped up in other things for a moment. Um, you you all know, those of you that have kids know exactly what it's like. Drew had, you know, has these young ones that are learning algebra and it's been a pain in the ass for them. Uh, myself, I got kids in college and kids that are getting married and kids that are trying to be ministers. And it's just been a whirlwind of, of things to do and and. Um, but that hasn't stopped the fishing, man. 
that hasn't stopped the fishing because we we still that I think comes before the podcast. If you ask me, it's like family fishing podcast. <laughs> exactly, that's the order. That, yeah, that is the exact order. Right Although there. I love I love all the bro staff and I love all of our bros out there. It's fishing has got to come before we actually put an episode out there, or else we don't have shit to talk about, man. Exactly. You guys just don't want to hear us talk about pre-algebra homework and, and uprooting <laughs> no, trees. Hell no. You guys don't want yeah. to hear about that. You guys want episodes like the bro code episodes. And so what what we've had going on is I, I'm I'm gonna cut you off all night long. You, hey, at the tournament recently, you hear Matt and he's like, "What the? F- are you cutting me off, man?" Exactly. Yeah, I'm cutting you off. You couldn't cut me off at the tournament because I had the microphone <laughs> and you didn't have anything, so that was kind of nice. So, so you know, guys, what we had going on was cats, and cats was off the freaking chain, man. If anybody, any of you guys went, and if you didn't go, I'm sorry. Sign up next time. It's only a drop in the bucket, 50 bucks. You know, if you're in the Houston, Galveston, you know, Gulf Coast area of Texas. $50 per team member. Per $50 team per member. team member. Yeah, that's 50 bucks. 50 bucks out yeah. of my pocket goes into the pot. And I have the chance of winning a couple thousand dollars, man. And it's any dog, any day. It was it was a great tournament. I had a lot of fun. The Turner Rodco cookers were out there which consists of me and flamethrower Kyle, we cooked 60 pounds of chicken fajitas. For those of you that do not know how long it takes to cut 60 pounds of oh, chicken y'all had breast to cut that up yourself? into fajita meat, yes, it takes an hour and 30 minutes with two beer breaks to cut up 60 pounds of fajitas. <laughs> with We did have three people to start. Seth was there helping. I think he did like one bag and then him and my Seth brother was supposed to be fishing. Well, then him and my brother scouted on the computer while me and Kyle cut the rest of the chicken. So how that uh, scout they were scouting I was doing flounder air, holes. I was doing I air quotes on scouting. <laughs> Everybody uh, can see you, but yeah, the the, the uh, recorded episode, of course they won't know. Drew had his air quotes up for scouting because um, from what I understand, those guys loaded out on flounder but yep. not a single redfish flounder flounder and I, I think they found a few redfish they were just small they? yeah they were just small but i had a great time that that was a great turnout i believe we had 107 registered anglers and 99 people registered you can't ask for anything more man wherever those eight people were who didn't show up shame shame well shame on you bro bro four of them were geriatrics we understand that's true and i was i was expecting well i wasn't expecting we were expecting cookies there was some people that were looking forward to some cookies that didn't get any cookies but see our our geriatric folks are supposed to bring the cookies and if you don't bring the cookies man these young guys they get kind of upset they don't know what's going on like something done happened to them so um mr uh melton make sure them cookies come around next time man even if you don't bring any fish to weigh in do it we we need we need those cookies there's a tournament this weekend i'm gonna i'm actually gonna get the fish a tournament this weekend good luck bro good luck the weather's gonna be freaking awesome no wind it's um, gonna be nice man it's gonna be nice I, I and i bring that up too because last night i sent you a picture of the very small um, kind of modest 
bro staff sticker that I put on my new Hobie and my Turner Rodco Dude, sticker. Dude, I think it was 36 inches long by like <laughs> six inches tall. It is. There's some huge bro staff decals that I just put on the PA. But one of the reasons why I brought that up is because the bro staff was in full effect at the Cats tournament, and that was so awesome to see. If you guys don't know already, Chris and uh, Nick from the Marsh Ninja episode, the fly fishing episode, they won the tournament this weekend. So they took everybody's money. They took all the entry fees. You know, they, they won a little over three grand. So they took home some cash. But what I thought was cool, you know, from a podcast and the show here, there was a lot of bro staffers there. Tons, man. And even when you guys were up there talking, they were yelling, Think the show, bro staff! Think the podcast, bro staff! And they were just yelling at you guys hey, about the podcast. Look, don't forget about Kyle, man. Kyle. Oh, yeah. Kyle, right here, he was. He said he got first, second place. Second, um, second place. That's Kyle what I'm saying. The bro staff was, was representing... Um, I had some decals there. I gave out some decals. And then, you know, within, I don't know, the next day, a few hours, there were already posts of the new Bro Staff stickers on kayaks, the new Bro Staff decals, you know, going to different parts of Texas. So I just thought it was awesome to start to see more and more of the Bro Staff, more and more listeners, more and more people in the Bro Staff movement hanging out, talking about the bro staff, and really living the lifestyle of what the bro staff really is, man. Fishing, bullshitting, drinking beer, eating tacos, winning a little money, you know, getting some decals, getting some swag. Swag, just, man. Yeah, man, just, it, was, yeah. it was awesome. It was great to see all those people. And, and right now, you know what? I can tell these guys right now, the prizes may be a little bit slim. You've got to hold out. Because this whole COVID thing has still got the world shook up. Stick around. Next year is going to be even bigger and even better. Okay. We promised you guys that we were going to bring you the world. And I guarantee you, we're going to do that. It's going to take some time, though, because we've got to make our way through this new man. I hate to say it because I never wanted to accept it. The term new normal i never wanted to accept that but it kind of has become a reality it is a new normal man it it definitely is a new normal especially when it comes to the availability of products um especially anything in the outdoor industry since everything was gobbled up so quickly um so we may not have a whole a whole lot of prizes to give away to you guys but we do have tips we do have stories we uh we can make you guys forget about the new normal for just a little bit and albeit a tiny amount of time tiny 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 usually two hours at a time (laughs) yeah two hours at a time and kyle is um over here guys if if you want to head out to you know, check out a meet and greet. They have one at Goose Island, October 16th and 17th. If anybody can make it out there for the Kayak Fishing Texas group, 
Um, it's a good group of guys. They're also bro staff members. So if you can get out, check that out. We have our bro staff meeting coming up, or meetup coming up in November. We're going to do that November 12th and 13th out at Goose Island State Park. It's going to be fun. Um, we're going to book some sites and everything over there. But we're talking about the new normal. We're talking about things to take our minds off of what's going on in the world. This episode is going to be about, you know, you guys almost went to another world. Um, from what I hear, it's a completely different terrain. Just everything is so different. There were some surprises like Mars, out there. Right? There were some surprises out there. And and I'll wait until we get into the meat of this episode to talk about some of those surprises. But yeah, it was it was definitely um secluded and you were on your own in most instances in most cases so um we've got a special guest today and this guy actually joined me and myself and and nick um most of you guys know him as the marsh ninja um and then another guy uh jason uh, dianosio okay now check this out all these dudes up from new england man every single one of them and here i am the lone freaking southerner amongst all these people sometimes i didn't even know what they were saying like the guy that we're about to talk to he got there before us he got to the bed and breakfast before us and he was already like settled in and he had something in his hand called water i don't even know what the hell that is water it's like wood and water mixed right i don't i guess so man water. i don't know what it was but it looked like aquafina <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and bring him on, man. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, all the way from New York, upstate New York, we've got Mark Usyk. Okay, he's going to join us today. Um, guys, and he's an accomplished kayaker, fisherman, and writer. Okay, what what is this for? Is that for the kayak side, or is it's that for the all of it? It's a, it's a little maybe maybe slightly accomplished. There's a lot not accomplished. Okay, well, we'll, well maybe we'll hit on that in a little bit. But first, I guarantee you, right now, Drew has some very specific questions for you. Oh, this ought to be good. Paul, before we get into that, you and Nick, congratulations on winning your big fish contest. The big fish contest. The big <laughs> fish contest. If that isn't a pa passive-aggressive uh, statement there, I do not know what is. That's now, fantastic. For, for, for those of you listening live, this isn't going to make much sense. Um, but if you listen to it on the podcast, you're not going to notice anything different. Um, Jessica, won't you tell us what's going on with ACK, Real Sportswear, and Abu Garcia? Hey, bro staff. The spooky season is upon us once again. And to be honest, some of you are out there looking downright frightful. Holes in your pants, sweat stains look like you use butter for deodorant. Luckily, I have the solution. Realsportswear.com. Head on over to their website and find some new gear that will have you looking as crisp as a fall morning in Nantucket. Minus the hideous part of it. That's Realsportswear.com and wear what the guides wear. You know what else is downright terrifying this fall? Seeing kayakers on the water without their PFD. 
With temperatures cooling off and waters cooling down, it's a recipe for your worst nightmares. And ACK agrees. That's why they've given you a chance to get one free. Log on to AustinKayak.com and enter to win the Angler's Gear Giveaway. This includes a PFD of your choice, plus $130 in other assorted accessories. Just head on over to AustinKayak.com and enter to win. Not one to leave you cold and frightened this holiday season. Let's get you out of the cold and all warmed up. The redesigned Max series by Abu Garcia is bringing you the heat this season. Stand out on the water with a reel that's got as much bold style as that regrettable couple's costume you wore last Halloween party, but with higher quality components and way less regret. Just type in abugarcia.com and check out each of the models and find the best max low profile reel or combo for you. And that's it for me, ghouls and boys. This is Salt Side Jess. As always, I'll see you on the salt side. Okay, now we can get back to the show. Uh, <laughs> that's how that, it goes. That's where hey, we're going to edit. Way, that's, where, that's where we're going to put our commercial. So we, we had to there. throw that in there. This, this episode is brought to you by hardy fly fishing oh yeah this is because you had a bunch of fly fishermen with you that's right we, did we, you did you pull out the fly rod fish. did you did you catch a fish on a fly rod on this trip chris we'll talk about that in a little bit well i'm i want to ask okay fine <laughs> all right mark so you know anybody that comes on this show i always ask them two questions i want to know about your most memorable fishing memory and i also want to know what your first kayak was and how you got into kayak fishing. Okay. My most memorable fishing memory. I'm going to go there. It's, it's, it's probably pretty common and it's probably pretty close to a lot of other people's most favorite fishing memory. You got to go back to grandpa. Um, the original GPS. Anytime that somebody says, that question, it goes straight back to my grandfather. And there's a couple of different ones. But probably my favorite story is we fished a, we had a small family lake that I still go to once a year. And he started taking me there from probably about second grade up until I left home after high school. And so this was probably in high school, long hair, stealing cigarettes out from underneath grandpa's truck seat you know, ripped jeans, but grandpa's still cool and we still fish together. But every everybody else, I want nothing to do with anybody. <laughs> We're in this little flat bottom boat on this little 12 acre lake, largemouth bass. He's catching fish after fish after fish after fish. And I have caught goose eggs, zero, Got nothing, it. all day long. Okay. And it has gotten to the point where on this lake, you will see bass and sunfish. They will school on top and chase stuff. And you will, you'll see the school moving and you can actually cut them off and cast in front of them and catch fish. And it's a common thing on this lake. And my grandfather rigged up two eagle claw bait hooks. He always used the eagle claws with the with the red beads and the little spinner blade on them. He rigged up two of those on one line, two worms, cast into the middle of that after I, I have not caught a single fish all day. 
I am not happy. I am like this in the boat. <laughs> he cast in the middle of that school and brought out two fish with one cast. And he looked at me and he started laughing at gruff old Polak smokers coughing laugh. <laughs> and I was just like, it was one and only time I know that I swore in front of my grandfather and I said, you got to be shitting me. And I dropped my rod over the side of the boat, opened the bale and just let the, let the worm fall. And he's still laughing as he's trying to bring him in. And that rod almost left the boat. And it was the biggest bass I had ever caught right there. That's probably, that's my favorite story to tell. So it's probably my favorite memory. Did you ever get caught stealing the cigarettes from underneath the shirt? <laughs> he had to know, but he no. He just didn't ever say anything. He just didn't ever were, say anything. Were they camel unfilters? You're the man. They were camel unfilters. <laughs> yes, they were. Yeah. <laughs> For you guys that aren't that aren't able to see this, you should have saw Mark's eyes. They just got huge. Like, oh my God, how did you know that? You yeah, were going to ask there was going to be one of two things. You were going to ask me if they were either camel non-filters or palmel non-filters. They were camel <laughs> non-filters. <laughs> Those are the ones, man, that, you know, the old the old right. dudes, they knew how to do it, man. They they smoked their cigarettes non-filtered, and they, you know, they drank their whiskey without ice. You know, it was just, that's the way they did yeah. it back then. And that's why life expectancy was like 58 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was the camel unfiltered. Camel non-filters, yes. man, for real. Yes, yes, yes. So All right. what about what about kayak? What was your very first okay. kayak? And how did my, you start kayak fishing? My very first kayak, I don't even remember what it was, but my father had bought it from Dick's Sporting Goods on sale for, I believe, $79. It was this little green. It wasn't even, how do I describe the shape of it? The long shape was like any other kayak, but the underneath of it was like perfectly round, which meant all it wanted to do was tip over. <laughs> was flip over. Yeah. Um, and I flipped it a few times on a local creek here, West Canada Creek. Um, and I tried fishing out of it, and it wasn't real comfortable, but I did it. Um it was an extremely, extremely cheap piece of plastic, but it got me on the water. How long until you upgraded? That was the only kayak I had until I bought what I have now, the Hobie Compass. Between all that, it was all canoes. Okay. So you, you had a little bit of paddling background before. I have a small paddling cool. background, but not huge. Okay. Well, even canoes, even canoes, we consider, um, yeah, paddlecraft in the paddler's playbook. We give some love to canoes. Drew paddles a canoe. I, I paddle a modified canoe. I mean, it's just a big plastic canoe. The, yeah. Uh, the native ultimate. He kept telling me, take that on the Devil's River. Take that on the Devil's River. I'm like, man, I don't know if I want a 14-foot boat on the Devil's River. 15. It but, 15. But let me tell you something, man. That boat does not have a keel that sticks down an entire foot beyond your secondary stability. And that right. damn new canoe had a freaking rudder or a, not rudder, but a keel that stuck down like six, eight inches beyond the secondary of the damn kayak. So every time I'd go through some rapids, guess what happened? Yep. My ass would get stuck. 
Guys, I have a little... Uh, before we start talking about the Devil's River, I was searching, I was doing some research, and I was going to get this like very, very eloquently spoken. Um, I, I was doing my research. Eloquently then, or eloquently? Let me finish, damn it. So I was reading... <laughs> I was reading a description like from the 1840s of the Devil's River and I couldn't pronounce half the words so I was like okay let me see if I can find a video or something that that kind of describes the Devil's River so really quick I'm going to play this video you're going to be able to hear cool. the audio but this is kind of an introduction and this is from one of the uh Devil's Rivers uh, a site and it you can find it you can find it online if you just search Devil's River. But listen to this introduction of, you know, what we are about to talk about. Where the pavement ends and the natural world begins, there exists an unusual place where an ancient and powerful energy lives. The Devil's River, a realm overflowing with such spectacular beauty most can only define it as magic, enchanting to behold, dangerous to experience. Here the walls of civilization cannot follow, the habits of comfortable living do not apply. One must honor the spirit of the river. This noble force is the combined miracle of pure, undefiled wilderness. Welcome to the last untamed kingdom of the Southwest. A team of paddlers embark on a journey much the same as yours. Their trip will equip you with important knowledge. Those drawn to these waters must share a common purpose, to treasure, preserve, and protect the Devil's River and Wild Texas. So there you the go. The Devil's okay. River and Wild Texas. It was yes. wild. So you guys have to live up to that now. There's your introduction to talk about okay. the Devil's River. Ready, go. I'm ready for it. Where do you want to <laughs> so start? The great, the great thing about this episode is that we've talked the Devil's River before. We've had Daniel Underbrink on, who is a, um, he's got a, a, a company out there called Adventure Out, Adventure on Outdoors, or not, I can't remember exactly. But the dude's been on probably every river trip in the whole entire world, and the Devil's River, time and time again. And after that episode, we had people asking for more. More Devil's River, more Devil's River, more De Devil's River. Tell us how to do it. Tell us what it's like. Tell us how to survive it. And the great thing about this episode is you're going to have two guys. Okay, I'm going to let Mark speak the most on this episode. But, well, honestly, Mark, because, one, you're not from Texas. No, so there's no, there's no Texas experience um, here other than your first or maybe your second Texas experience. And, and the background noise, I'm sorry, guys. You probably hear my dogs back there causing a mess. But And then two, you're probably just more well-spoken than I am. You can probably speak on the experience a lot better than I can. I will fumble around. I'll fall on my face. And I haven't had enough to drink tonight. So Is he yeah. going to speak more eloquently? Yeah eloquently no. yeah See, not eloquently but there's eloquently. a reason i, I write because i, I write a... better than i speak <laughs> me too and my writing sucks too so so those of you that there. don't know mark drove all the way from upstate new york to 
I don't even know what town it was that we were in, but somewhere near Del Rio. Yeah, yeah to Del pretty Rio. close to Del Rio. So about two thousand miles. Start there, like start, start with your desire to actually do a Devil's River trip. So I saw, I think it was Nick. He posted years ago. It was twenty sixteen. He posted his. I think it was his first Devil's River trip, and I saw the pictures of it. And I saw a little video, and I started going down the rabbit hole. That day that I saw pictures of this river, I started going down the rabbit hole. I was searching everything I could on it. The place just looked amazing. Um, and since 2016, I have been reminding myself every year, Devil's River, Devil's River, Devil's River. No idea how I was going to get down there. No idea how I was going to do it. Um, and it was supposed to come together last year. And then last year, our new normal that you were talking about earlier wiped that all out. And so I was like, well, you know what? That's not a good sign because this has happened to me before. When you're ready to do something and then it falls through, chances are it's not going to happen. So when he when he messaged me earlier, I don't remember when he messaged me. I think it was over the winter while I was sitting up here freezing in an igloo. He was like, hey, you going to do it this year? Sounds like we can do it. And I said, I don't care when it is. Yes. If I don't say, if I say maybe, that's my way out. Yes, I'm doing it no matter what. And once I told him, yes, count me in, I was like, it doesn't matter. Whatever comes up, I already committed to it. He's got me a spot on this trip. I got to go. And I've been, I have, since 2016, I've been looking at this river. I've been wanting to go. So I had to make it happen. So you made it happen. You drove 2,000 miles to come down yeah. here. Now, most people who listen to this show, we have a few listeners up north. They won't have to drive 2,000 miles. Right. But I, I, So let's take the driving part out of the equation. Yep. Now, whenever I'm planning a trip, the first thing I do is, can I afford to go on this trip? So Same. For for you and Chris, what kind of price are we looking at for permits, for entrance into the park, um, any special gear that you guys bought? Like, how much roughly did each of you spend on a Devil's River trip, excluding gas, because that's going to be different for, for right. everybody, depending on where you're coming from? Where we go? Typically, you know what, okay. Drew, um, in the past, every single trip that I try to put together, I always try and budget it out to where everybody spends this around the same amount. And it's always two bills. OK, whenever I do the tri a trip to Florida, I make sure I have enough guys so that everybody spends a comfortable two bills. Somehow this trip for myself, just people from the Gulf Coast, people from around here will probably spend about two bills total. About 200 bucks total. About that, 200 bucks total. That covers your shuttle, your park entry, your poop bag. And your gas. That. And your gas from here to there. Okay. And it covers, covers the gas there. Now, how difficult, and I don't know if you guys did this, but... How difficult is it to find a shuttle or find someone? Are there a lot out there to choose from? I mean, was just, I'm guessing probably Besnick set this up 
but yep. it, it, has he used this guy before or you know do you guys know if there was any difficulty getting the shuttle mark what was your sense of <laughs> whether or not he had used this guy before uh yeah he knew dw <laughs> <laughs> like he they had pet names for each other yeah yeah oh, it, okay it, 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 if how do i put this if it had been any more it would have almost been uncomfortable <laughs> yeah if they knew anyone anyone yeah. else so you know i know nick is 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 watching right now and he, he's listening put in the comments you know what, yeah. what you guys and who you guys use as far as your shuttle and stuff and we'll throw that up on the facebook page so if you're just listening to this on spotify or apple you know make sure to hop what's on that the lake down page. there Amistad. Amistad. Okay, so so the outfitter that was used to pick us up, drop us off, was Amistad um, Adventures, I believe. Amistad Amistad Expeditions. Expeditions. There it is. Amistad Expeditions. So basically with this company, it's just like any other company that does any shuttle services. You call them up and they can give you the entire, you know, run you through the entire gamut of what you need in order to do this trip. Um, Fortunately, we had... Um, Bisnick expeditions to go ahead and get us squared away, and and um, you know, find somebody. If you don't already know someone who has done the Devil's River trip before, I'm gonna say you need to find someone that has done it at least, at least twice, man. It made a big difference. Unless you're gonna, unless you're gonna hire guides, that made a huge difference. It so. Did. How did it make a difference? Like, what what do you guys think you would have struggled more with if you wouldn't have been with a seasoned person uh, on the trip? Because I know there's probably a lot of people that one of the only reasons why they haven't went is they only have a, a handful of friends that kayak, and none of them have done a Devil's River, River trip, so they're kind of intimidated. So what kind of stuff do you feel like they need you needed to have somebody experience with you i can do everything necessary to go down that river on my own you could have dropped me off at the starting point and i would have seen you three days later to pick me up the difference was that nick and james knew the river from their past trips they knew the river all right after this bend around through these trees we're going to hit some white water this is where we're going to hit all the braids and we should stick to this side um the campsite is two more pools down they knew where we were during the day and how much longer it was going to take to get to the campsites they knew where the campsites were which was a big deal even if you got a map showing you the campsites having somebody that's just floating along is like yeah you know what there's an island up here and that's it you don't have to worry about it um, because you can't just camp anywhere you want on this river. That's one thing that really needs to be made clear. Uh, it's all private property. You have to find some very specific campsites where you are. And they're not exactly marked. They are not marked. That first campsite, did you notice on that really rocky island the first night, there were some little, uh, there were some little markers, little arrow markers in the really freaking tiny uh, i i spotted them the second time i came on the island after i after we got there and set everything up i went back out and fished i saw them when i came back i didn't even see them the first time 
So having somebody that just knows the river um, that's been there and they know how far we got to go so that you're not trying to find a camp that's not marked in the dark and set up your camp in the dark, that that right there, everything else I could have done on my own, but having somebody that knew the river so that you could just enjoy the river and not worry about, holy crap, how much farther do I have to go? I don't know because I've never been here. That was that was awesome. Yeah, and then, awesome you, don't, you don't you don't have to paddle your butt off for an hour to get there before dark so you can set up correctly because you have somebody that you know and it, it's very hard to tell still for me it's very hard to tell distance on a map um, yeah whenever you're trying to figure out how far you are from something because yep. i think we, we get on google earth and then we zoom in and out really quick and look at stuff and we're like oh that's about a mile when in actuality you're talking about like two and a half miles three miles yeah it, it, it's it's hard to tell even as much as we mess with maps nowadays you don't want to you don't want to be paddling at two in the morning do you chris i was about to say we ran into a group that had yep. no idea how to calculate how many miles no clue we should have go. never <laughs> seen anybody else out there and there was another group that got dropped off a couple days before us and we passed them not once in the evening on our first day and they had already been there for was it two days or three days and they had made it in three days they had gone three miles they had no clue (laughs) nick told them they had 14 miles to go and they better get moving and they were like "Eh, it's fine you know and then they passed us at night the second night our second night at 2 a.m. In, in the morning. morning, arguing with each other. And then they showed up late because we passed them the next morning. And they didn't know we passed them. They were probably still sleeping. Then they passed us while we were fishing because we were so far ahead of schedule. We just stopped to fish. And they passed us. Hey, how much longer do you think it is? How much farther we got to go? Uh, probably close to three miles, two or three miles, I told them. And they left arguing with each other again. And they showed up late. They had no clue how to figure out distance. No clue. We don't need to dwell on all that, but that's a perfect example. So, Drew, you asked him a question, and he gave you an answer, and he said, I could have done this river all by myself. The type of person that he is, the adventurer, the type of adventurer that he is, he says he could have done this river all by himself. I'm sure in your mind, Drew, you were thinking, what is it about your skill and or your knowledge that would allow you to do this river by yourself because some of these guys that are listening might have the skill, might have the knowledge to be able to go ahead and do that, but they don't know exactly what that is. So somebody like yourself, Mark, what is it that you already know and you can do that in your mind says, I could have done this river by myself. Um, honestly, at this point it's experience. But that's like a big, broad description. I mean, you got to break it down. And number one, you got to know how to you got to know how to take care of yourself. And taking care of yourself isn't just I know how to find food or I know how to make food and I know how to find water. Taking care of yourself, the way I look at it, is being smart enough not to do stupid things. I did stupid things because you three guys were with me. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're by yourself, you don't do stupid things. Don't you take pay the risk. attention. You don't take the risks. And you really pay attention to your surroundings. You gotta know where you're at. Um to me, that's the biggest thing. 
I, I say I could have done that trip by myself. I up here in home, I do most of my fishing by myself. Um, and we got the Adirondacks. In 30 minutes, I can be in the Adirondack Park. That is six million acres, three thousand lakes and ponds, thirty something thousand miles of rivers and streams. Um, I can I go hiking places where I will not see anybody else because literally nobody else goes there. So I'm confident being by myself and doing that stuff on my own. But that confidence comes from the experience. I have been lost. I have done stupid stuff. What's a normal paddle trip for you when you're going out? Like how many miles are you normally paddle? I do not time. Yeah. I do not paddle very far. Um, The longest I've a normal, a normal paddle for me, I usually don't paddle rivers on my own. I usually wade the rivers and I hike them. Um, if I'm in my kayak, I'm usually on a lake. Uh, maybe I got to haul it into a pond. We've got tons and tons of remote ponds and lakes, but that's usually what I do. Um, lakes and ponds when I paddle, I don't paddle rivers by myself. Okay. Now, Chris, we were talking about experience levels and stuff. You are a very experienced paddler, peddler, miles upon miles in the marsh and the bays um a few river trips what is the minimal amount of experience that you would recommend for someone to have if they are thinking about going on a devil's river trip i'm not even really concerned about your experience in a kayak to be honest um what i want to know is that you know can you survive elements and and be confident in being absolutely nowhere near civilization mm-hmm. and nowhere near anything that that uh even resembles civilization i was going to say you know earlier i was like there was a couple of surprises one of the surprises is we're going through this absolutely serene i mean just beautiful place and then all of a sudden i hear a freaking dozer i'm yeah. like what the hell like we're out in the freaking middle of nowhere. Why is there a dozer? But somebody somewhere has more money than sense, and they probably bought that dozer and drug it up this hill. And they're like, "I'm going to build a house on top of this hill, um, in the middle yep. of freaking nowhere." Um, I'm also pretty untrusting, which being an untrusting person, honestly, in my opinion, makes me um, tend to be more prepared. For some situations, overprepared in a lot of situations, I don't drink from the river. Okay. And that part of it's because of the places where I hike, there are no water sources. So I'm used to bringing my own water. I'm used to carrying my own water. In a kayak, you can do that. When you're hiking with a backpack, it's very difficult. Three liters of water, you know, cost you quite a bit of, of weight in your bag. Um, I brought close to seven liters of water um so almost two gallons for my three-day float i ended up drinking from the river anyway because there you know was a time where i was like eh, i got it i'm gonna have to do this and it was fine um i didn't get the squirts or anything <laughs> <laughs> that river water was probably clearer or as clear as your bottled water in places we haven't even talked about that yet we haven't the, got there we're going there yeah, the water is ridiculous. Well, it, it's all spring-fed. I mean, it's it's spring-fed water in the Devils. 
Yeah, but I got I got spring-fed water everywhere up here in New York, and let me tell you, we got mud, and th there was no dirt on the bottom of that river. It's all rock, limestone, uh, rock. Yeah, I mean, it is the it is li the Devil's River is literally I will say it the most beautiful and probably cleanest, clearest river I have ever fished, paddled, walked along anything it was right. rarely rarely does it ever become tanning there you know if if at all you know there's Probably nothing a big storm i bet big 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 storm yeah chris you said that you weren't worried about the experience level on that little intro video that we saw we saw some rapids and stuff on there so are the <laughs> okay. rapids easily knowing what i know what? now knowing what i know now i would have probably taken more risk right Expe yeah. expound on that a little bit so all right nick i'm gonna throw you under the bus here man nick i think <laughs> psyched us out i think he psyched <laughs> us out so there's been there's a lot of stories of people um losing their shit completely um on some of these these rapids like now i understand or like losing their shit like like stuff falling like out tumbling tumbling okay yeah. turtling and everything away. going i watched i i watched youtube videos leading up to this of everybody doing the devils and i recognized the exact spots where they all went down when we were on the river and i was like this doesn't look that bad which is always a mistake you never underestimate anything out there anywhere rivers mountains anything but seriously you could tell that those people did not have experience they weren't prepared there you go there you go so going back let me back paddle a little bit here experience counts with something like that okay knowing how to control your kayak now yeah. did i do it perfectly did i execute you know flowing down those those rapids perfectly no, not at all. A lot of it um, had honestly to do because I didn't. Even, a lot of it had to do with the boat, but I'll, some of it also had to do with taking the wrong path. Um, right. You want to take a path where the water's flowing the most, yep. not where it's flowing the least. <laughs> you know, you look at it and you're like, it doesn't look so scary right there. Because then you get trapped in eddies and things you like get that. trapped in that shit. Now yep. Nick said people people have broken legs, uh, you know, in the, these rapids. Sure. Probably from not being prepared and, you know, if you fall out of your boat, you know, not doing the right thing, like just trying to keep your body upright. You know, they probably tried to stick their legs directly down into the water and walk. That yep. water is flowing, dude. Plus, we went there with 160 SCFM. That is a moderate flow for that river. It's not high. It's not low. Somewhere just in the right, middle. right there in the middle. Right there in the freaking middle. It was nice. It was real nice. Chris, have you ever been like down the Guadalupe River or Comal or anything like that in a kayak to kind of? Yes, I've done like Comal, Guadalupe, um, the Colorado up near Bend. Um, How do some of those rapids compare to the rapids that are on the Devils? They're not. They're not even close. No. So if you can handle, if you can handle those. Those are just kind of baby, baby rapids compared to the Devil's River Rapids. Yeah, there are some there, uh, at least one rapid, um, one set of rapids. Okay, there. 
there was one where we had where there was no negotiating. <laughs> there was one where there was no negotiating. Yeah, we were we were getting out, and you were we were just gonna portage over it. Just, dude, you had boulders that were twenty four foot in diameter, and then a boulder that was eight foot in diameter, and they were mixed in all over the place. It would have been like going down a pitball machine. <laughs> Honestly, I will say this would have been fun. I don't know if we if if you had whitewater kayaks, you probably wouldn't think twice about it. This so there's a difference. But with all these with these big fishing kayaks, you were like, hmm, uh, I don't know about that one right there. You know, whitewater kayaks, you'd probably just truck on through it all. You bounce off some stuff. You, 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 you know, spin around in a couple of places and you keep going. It wouldn't have been a big deal. But the, the big heavy fishing kayaks with all your gear changes everything. Yeah, but those white those whitewater guys are wearing helmets and yeah. all this protective stuff. I don't yeah. ever want to kayak somewhere. I have to wear a freaking helmet to do it. <laughs> like that's that's not fun and relaxing if you have to wear a helmet. <laughs> not not doing it. I've done those trips before. They're fun, man. Especially when everybody else is in wetsuits and you're in yeah. shorts and a t shirt. <laughs> shorts and t shirt and a helmet. You're that guy, huh? I was like, I was like, man, I want the adrenaline, the full effect. Come on, give it to me. No way. Yeah. <laughs> so what other, you know, what are some other things that you guys were surprised by? Chris, you said you were surprised to see a dozer and everything. Um, you guys said Nick may have asked this guy out a little I'm bit. sure he was surprised by many things. Mark, what what, what kind of surprised you? You know, this I don't know how to I don't know how to say this without sounding like an idiot. The we river do, we do it on the show all the all time, right. so you're good. You all can right. sound like an idiot. It's kind of our thing. <laughs> the the river itself is what surprised me. Um, like I've, like I've, first first listen, launching, you were surprised. No, yeah, I mean, I've been on a million. I haven't been on a million rivers. I've been on a million rivers. Okay, and. Most rivers all look the same. Maybe they're colored up. Maybe they're kind of clear. They got trees on the sides of them. You're on the river. You have views of the mountains. Rivers are rivers, and they just all look a little different. And then you have the Devil's River. It surprised the hell out of me because it messed with my mind the entire time I was on it. And it never stopped. I never got used to it. Um... And that is because of the scenery and the terrain. I have, if I was looking at the water, if I was fishing, if I was paddling, if I was studying the structure, because I was just so amazed by it, while I was looking at the water, my mind couldn't help but register what I was looking at as ocean, salt water. It was turquoise. It was green. I lived on the Florida Panhandle, the Emerald Coast, for like nine years. It was that color. It was the color of what you see in pictures of the Florida Keys and the Bahamas. When I was looking at the river, my mind couldn't help but register Bahamas, Florida Keys, whatever, turquoise water. And then my eyes would raise up, and there's a freaking cactus growing out of the rocks, and there's a desert bluff with full of caves and all these different color. It, the river itself is what surprised me because 
if you've never seen it before, I'm telling you right now that you can prepare yourself and say, this is going to be awesome. I can't wait to see it. But when you actually get there and you lay eyes on it for the first time, it will completely, your mind is not going to know what to do. The river is what took me by surprise. And I thought I knew where I was going. It is that type of a place. You, you look down at the river, you see the turquoise water. You're yep. expecting to look up and, you know, smell sunscreen and pina yeah. coladas and, yes. and everything. But then you, you see a cat. Yeah, where's the banana said, boat? Yeah. If, if I had come around a bend and saw a tiki bar, it would not have surprised me whatsoever. Okay? <laughs> I would have been like, cool, tiki bar. But instead, you, you come around a bend and you see a bunch of paddlers that don't know how fast they're going or where they're at arguing yeah. and yelling at yeah. each other. Uh -huh. Well, at, at first, first off, those guys, at first, they were like, yo, we're just fishing, man. Yeah. <laughs> we're it slow. Yeah, well, you're not <laughs> going to be saying that tomorrow <laughs> when you, you have to make up 14 miles. Yeah, yep. when you can't make it there. Chris, you passed the buck to Mark, but, you know, what's some stuff that surprised you? Fish, man. Just fish everywhere? Fish, Dude. Fish on so fish on fish? I I yeah. made a post, and I don't know who – I'll have to go back and look at it. But somebody commented on that post. I said, hey, from a conventional standpoint, what lures would you guys take rooster on the tails. Devil's River? <laughs> and, yeah, the rooster tails was – so I had I had a couple of different rooster tails. But um, one guy said, the fishing sucks on the Devil's River. Don't even bother and so I like on one side, I'm like going, damn, we ain't going to catch no damn fish. And this is going to be a paddle expedition. Okie dokie. And on the other side, I'm going, all right, I'm going to gear up with rooster tails, crankbaits, Cinco's, freaking all sorts of shit. We got there, man. And there was not a single area where you could not catch fish. You know what I mean? Right. There wasn't a single spot where you could not catch fish. We The first fish caught by Chris on a rooster tail. Dude, that was not the first fish on the Devil's River that was caught by. Wait, the first fish on the Devil's River was caught by Chris on a rooster tail. Yes. And the first fish caught on the entire trip by anyone was a fish in a pool, a swimming pool. <laughs> Yeah, on the rooster tail, and then it shit on me. <laughs> <laughs> it shit all over me. I'll have now, to post that picture up. Are you are you quote unquote sight casting every one of these fish because the water's that clear? You might as well be. Yeah, I mean, or, or are you just coming up to a pool and throwing in there? But if you were close enough, you could see them anyway. You. The way I saw it, you pretty much had to sight cast. And you had to make casts to a good distance. It was like fishing in an aquarium. Like yeah, in a bass pro. Bass pro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was that clear. Let's jump into the technical stuff. Chris, you were fi fishing conventional gear and uh, fly gear, but let's let's talk to you first about the conventional gear. What were you geared up with? What did you hit? Like line did you have? You know, we already talked about you were using some rooster tails and stuff like that. You want to hear something absolutely f just freaking blow your mind crazy? You were using 40 pound braid. Straight to the lure. <laughs> Straight to the lure, bro. 
how did I know that? How did I know you were using forty pound braid with no, um, with no, no leader, no leader, no fluorocarbon, no monofilament, nothing, no. just straight braid. And you had your drag as tight as you could get it. And you I just, did not. You I did not. I had it as loose as possible, as possible. Because you, first off, you have to have it as loose as possible because um, those little rooster tails are just too damn light to throw with with your drag set tight. So, um, and I, I honestly, I brought the Turner Rodco rod with me, man. There you go. That was, fished, hey, it's a light rod for you. I fished the Turner Rodco rod um, with the Zeta, the Abu Garcia Zeta. Um, and it was, it's 20 pound braid on that, on that particular on setup. That one. Okay. Yeah. But I did tie directly to, from, you know, directly to the lure. And what I brought with me as far as conventional gear was, um, a couple of different rooster tails, different sizes, different colors. Um, and I brought some, uh, some worms, some, uh, zoom, uh, worms and watermelon red, which is my favorite color, although not watermelon red worms because i never fish fresh water but watermelon red um what else did i bring not much as far as freshwater gear but at dolan falls somebody lost an entire box of frogs and crankbaits and there was even a baby one minus inside there it was a big box you found it was a big box man um just on so, the side of the river yeah somebody lost it, it they basically had lost their shit um in in the river you know dumped their boat or whatever dumped their boat and lost their box and it floated over to the side and i picked it up um it could have been those guys that were just spending all their time fishing <laughs> it around. Been. i don't know but uh it was full man and once i saw that there was a uh a crankbait on there i tied that on whenever we got some to some deeper spots because i you know i love fishing crankbaits man um and yeah it was on like donkey kong what about you mark what were you what were you geared up with so i fly fish um and that's pretty much all i ever do so i took two poles with me i took two fly rods with me i had a eight uh nine foot six weight and which i used a few times i used that when i was targeting the carp that i didn't catch and most of the time for the bass, I was actually using a 10-foot, 6-inch four-weight. It's a really long four-weight. But I've been using it up here for everything, trout, bass. We got a couple of friends that have, uh, using light tippet to protect the rod, they've actually steelheaded with the things. So I wanted to take it on that trip. I love how the thing casts. And it's a really delicate casting rod, which I kind of thought I was going to maybe need because I knew the water was so dang clear. Uh, and it was great. And I was cast in pretty much crayfish patterns and small. I, I fished two things. I don't know what the hell a crayfish, crayfish patterns, is, but. Yeah. Down there, you call them craw, crawfish and you eat them. Craw Up here, they're crayfish and they're just bait. <laughs> <laughs> I do like them down there, though. I ate a lot of them when I lived down south. They're a lot. They're a lot bigger. Yes, um, they're like small lobsters. I was in Maine um, back in April, and the pike that we were catching were full, 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 full of 
crayfish. Yeah. I'm going to call them crayfish because that's what the guide called them. It's up north. Yeah. And we were, we were throwing little Ned rigs, and he couldn't figure out why they were just killing the Ned rigs yep. until we cleaned one of the pike and we found all the crayfish. That's and he's like, yeah, well, that makes sense. That's hey, I need to yep. say this real quick. I'm sure everybody listening right now and those people that um, are going to listen later on on the, the um, recorded version on the podcast, you've seen A River Runs Through It. You've seen Brad Pitt and his crazy um, figure eight that he's doing out there. Bro, That you, I swear a couple times I looked up and I was like, what is he doing, man? This looks like majestic shit. Like nothing is straight. I mean, he is coming around his head, over his head, back behind his head. That thing ain't going back and forth 10 and 2 like everybody keeps telling me. This thing nah. is up. 10 and 2 is an urban legend. Yeah. I, I see that now, but Biznick kept telling me, 10 and 2, Chris, 10 and 2. It's a good starting point, and then you find your own, yeah. You find your own groove, you find your own time. It That's took, it. It took me about six hours every day to find my own groove, man. Yeah, well, I saw you catch a carp on your fly rod, so let's just say who cares good enough. <laughs> that's that's what I was going to ask, Chris. Since you're not a true fly guy, how hard was it for you to put down the conventional gear that you're used to, that you know that you can throw out there and catch fish, and try to catch fish that you are seeing? You can see the fish. But you're like a toddler with a fly rod trying to throw. How hard was it for you? And this, how how long into the trip did it take before you whipped it out and started trying to slang bugs? So so here's the deal. Out there, um, you, it's almost like cheating, okay? Because the fish are so plentiful and they're freaking hungry. All right, they're yep. hungry, and they're pissed off at everything that they see. So. Even 20-pound braid. <laughs> yeah, bro, I'm telling you. Man, they hit that shit, and they hit Doesn't it Doesn't that piss you off that he had 20-pound braid? See? <laughs> <laughs> but here's the deal. I do. I, I wish I had a longer rod with me on that trip. I had my redfish rod um, because my only other rod was my is my offshore setup. And, well, I can't say that. The other one that I have is a five-weight. I didn't want to bring the five weight and a conventional rod out there because I knew the five weight wouldn't been able to hold the, hold the carp. Right. So I brought my, um, eight weight, but it's like a shotgun, a sawed off shotgun, man. It's eight foot long. So it takes a while for me to get that cadence down to where the rod actually reacts the way that I want it to. With a longer rod and a little more flex, I think I can feel it better. You can't feel it in those short, stubby rods. Right. You can't you feel can, the line. You can't feel what the line's doing behind you. You can you just kind of kind of imagine. You can, yeah. get, you can get more in the groove with it. With so, the other one. so that short rod, it would take me, it, it wouldn't take me six hours a day to get used to it. But by, by hour six, man, I was really into it. Like I could. I've got some video of me getting underneath a tree um, and not only, you know, with a double haul getting underneath that tree, but then just going to like, um, a, what do you call it? A loop cast? 
where you're just basically looping it off off of the water. Whoa. Roll cast. <laughs> roll cast. There you go. Um, but I was actually roll casting it to get underneath that that tree just to get back to where I there was like six, seven carp sitting there and underneath this tree. <laughs> so but how many how many days was the trip? Three days on the water. Three days. When did you bust out the fly rod? Day one. When did you like beginning day one is when you busted out the fly no. rod? How long did you fish conventional gear before you're like, okay, let me get the fly minutes. rod out and see if I could get this? Okay, so it didn't take you very long yeah. to bust out the fly I rod. Caught, I caught four or five fish on the conventional gear, and I was like, okay, this is this is going to be too easy on the conventional. Let me go ahead and get the fly rod out. You've got to make this harder and suffer yeah. a little. I, I like a challenge, man. I I like to get beat up, so I'm not I'm not too worried about it. But I saw some pictures of of some nice carp that were there. You know, we're talking what five to fifteen pound carp, twenty pound Easily. carp. There were some I, there were some big ones. Oh, there were would just swim under the boat. I have never seen so many carp. No, I've never seen so many carp in one place in one river ever. Now the, the bass that you guys were catching, what size are your, are we talking about on the bass? Most of my bass were in the 12 to 15 inch range. There were some bigger ones, but those were the ones that when you saw them, they had already seen you and it, it was, was too late. late. They were too like, they were I see you. I know how this works. People have come through here before. You humans are assholes. I'm going that way. You little guys take care of this. Um, they just, yeah, they they were a little tougher. They were, they're big ones in there. Um, I hooked into, it had to have been a four, four and a half pound smallmouth on the last day. Uh, wade fishing this really super, super skinny water where the kayaks had to be dragged. But there were some pools that were anywhere from shin to thigh deep here those and there. Those pools were the best, man. And they were awesome. And in and, and th- and those places, you might not see the fish. You could see them everywhere else. In those places, you wouldn't see a fish, but you, you, you saw a couple hanging around the tall grass next to those pools. So you knew they were there. And if you dropped something in those pools, the fish came out of the grass from everywhere. There, they didn't so much see you for whatever reason um and i hooked into my biggest bass of the trip was on that last day it was a four four and a half pound smallmouth and it was amazing because that's a big smallmouth it was a big smallmouth i yelled to you guys and you guys started Mm -hmm. i know nick was on his way over and then i lost it and the thing that was amazing about this fish yes it was a big fish and that was cool uh, the small fish fought so hard. I'm not a big fish guy, and I'm not a numbers guy. I'm give me the whole package, the river, the scenery, the fish, the camping, the everything is what makes it for me. So I could have caught sunfish that entire three days, and I wouldn't have cared. But this fish, not only was it big, the way it fought, I dropped a woolly bugger in this little pool that was probably it was a depression. Where everything else was, you know, shin deep, it was a depression that was probably almost waist deep that was no bigger than a plastic kiddie pool. And I dropped a woolly bugger in it, um, and I don't even know why, because there's no fish around. I dropped a woolly bugger in it, and this huge four, four-and-a-half-pound smallmouth 
came cruising out from around this little grass tuft island when it's when he saw something hit the water and he just floated over to it he was just like hey what's that probably 20 feet from me and he he, he came up to the woolly bugger and he turned and looked at it looking straight at me and i saw him i saw his mouth do a little there were no there was no gill flare or anything it was just a little you know, and i had to ask myself did he just take that i think he just ate that his he just did a little nibble so i pulled the rod tip up and it was on he had taken it just he was like ah, i guess i'll eat that and what was amazing about that fish was he was in such clear water that until he came up to the top and splashed imagine a fish in tap water um that fish it was more like watching a fish flying and fighting in midair than swimming in the water until he finally splashed on top that's what kind of fish in that river was it was all about to me it was about the water any fish looked awesome when you could see it as clear as day i've got pictures of fish that i caught that you can't even tell they're in the water and i've had to tell people see that fish look at it look really close it's underwater that's how clear it was I, I can't lie, I just got lost whenever you, that, when he, whenever you were explaining that. I, I was seeing the fish right there. Yeah, I was you? seeing him Amazing. just nibble on it real quick. I, I, I was picturing the whole thing in my mind. Now, Mark, now that, on that last that day, the reason why yeah. I, I know Nick was on his way over to you, but um, I had already fallen down in that area so many times. I didn't yeah. want to. I didn't want to try and make my way back over to you <laughs> uh, to because honestly, when something big. Okay, Mark says he's there for the whole experience. He doesn't care too much about the big fish. But let's be honest here: when your heart starts to pump, yeah, like you've and done it's about um, the big fish. Yeah, <laughs> when your heart starts to pump, man, because you got that big one on. It's not like. Yep that that tiny panfish that you were catching earlier it's not like that at all if you lose that one no big deal yeah but if you lose the big one so anytime yeah. that we were like there's a big fish on look man somebody from our group went over there to help share in the experience to help you know take a photograph yep. or something so that they could share that with you um, that it so something. that that was super cool because i tell you what if Mark hadn't have been 30 yards from me, whenever I hooked up with my carp, everybody else was way down the river. And I don't even know how you were so close to me because you launched first before anybody else because you were up before the rooster crowed. I liked and that I, pool course, and I wanted the, to stick around a little bit. <laughs> I, of course, am the last person to leave camp in the morning because <laughs> I want to enjoy my coffee. Um glad i was not on this trip i would have been right behind you <laughs> drew drew so with that said guess how many l crap bags were used uh three days carry the two divide <laughs> by two granola bars um you you only shit three times bro i planned for three zero how do you not you need to see a doctor there I mean, wasn't a single person zero, 
Nobody pooped the whole. What is? Okay. Let me just say this about my part of it. Um, I pretty much knew I wasn't going to use these bags when I bought them. First, I was like, I can't believe I'm buying bags to crap in. This is kind of never expected this, never saw this coming. But then I was thinking, and I was thinking, I'm not going to need these because we're going to be out there for three days. And I know when I go out, I might have to, I might have to uh, piss three or four times, five times during the day, but I don't have to do number two for you days when I shit. go camping. Yeah, what I know. What are you guys eating? <laughs> now what are you at eating work. on this trip? He, at, he ate nothing work. but freaking what packs of sun-kissed, man. <laughs> I, I ate, I ate, I had two of them chicken packs, Pop-Tarts for breakfast, and that was it. At work, I might, I might be in the, I might be in the bathroom at work three times a day, all week. And it's not because I'm hiding from my work. That's that's what the rat race does to me, apparently. And when I get out there someplace like that, I don't even think about it. Exactly. Chris, what yep. were you eating? Um, so I did bring Mountain House with me. Um, I've got a ton of it. And um, I brought something rather benign, though. I, I On a trip like this, I wanted to make sure I had something that was real easy on my system. So I brought just chicken and rice. Um, I don't, I'm not a big breakfast person. I just like coffee for breakfast. You know, that's sort of a, my meal in the mornings. Um, and then throughout the day, just snacks, man. Um, cliff bars, jerky, um, seeds, nuts, things like that throughout the day. But yeah, peanut butter, Robert says MREs, cheese and peanut butter. Yes, dude, for real. Everybody I think had peanut butter. Um, yeah. It's just something that's easy to bring with you. Yeah, yeah. Alan also said this coon ass used his wag bags. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Doyce, uh, Alan, I, pronounce your last name for me, man. Do you say the e or or what, man? Doyce. <laughs> I would say Doce. Doce, uh, Doyce. Uh, yeah. So, Alan, the the two coon ass brothers. Um, it's funny, man, those guys, we end up, and I was telling Nick about this. This is the crew that probably does all the same trips that I do, but we never do them together. He said, Doe's. <laughs> but we never do them together. So like we can talk about all the trips, you know, Florida trips, Louisiana trips, Texas trips. We do them all the same ones. We even go eat at the same damn places. So uh, these guys pretty much know exactly what I'm experiencing whenever I go on these trips. But, Drew, when you're out there camping, doing the camping thing, man, um, I think, one, number one, it's your mind can play a trick on you, right? The convenience of being able to use the restroom makes it easier for your mind to say, okay, let's go release, Right? You don't actually need to. I mean, some true. of us need to. Like, we have to. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it has to do with your autonomic nervous system and everything else going on. Where, you know, fight or flight um, type of body functions and stuff like that. So, if, if... But if you're not normally going to the restroom a lot, then you could probably go 
you know, yeah. depending my on norm your is, diet, a few days. My norm is like once a day, if that. Yeah, my normal is like twice, three times a morning. So, I would. Uh, I but would I'm on. Sure. I'm also OMAD. I've been OMAD for like two years. So. Yeah. So that's that's enough poop talk. Um, so <laughs> some of you did not use your wag bag. I did not some use my you, wag bag. None of us did. You use nope. your wag bags. Now, were you checked for these wag bags whenever that, you got on and off? That is why I bought the wag bags. I knew I wasn't going to use them. I was like, I'm not going to use these. I, I, I won't need them, and I just can't see doing it. But I thought that there was a chance. In my mind, this New York guy pictured some Texas Ranger at the end of the trip when we Howdy pulled our partner. kayaks out Let going, so, shit how was the trip? Let me see a bag with some shit in it. <laughs> <laughs> and if I didn't have one, here's your fine. <laughs> but did Nothing. they check you guys? They, they checked at least anybody. one of us at the beginning. Okay. <laughs> to make yeah. sure yeah, you the, had the yeah, bags? Yeah, the outfitter did. Yeah. Okay. Yes. But nobody checked you afterwards? Nope. Now we, we we talked in our yak packing episode about different gear that you need to have to really go on a trip like this. Now I won't ask you guys to completely go through the gear list, but tell me something I could post one by the way that you were glad that you had and maybe tell me something that somebody else had that you were like, damn, I wish I would have thought of that or damn, I wish I would have brought one of that if there's anything that you can think of but first give me something that you are 100% like man I'm so glad I brought this dry bags everything was in a dry bag um everything was in a main dry bag and then everything else inside that was in smaller dry bags uh to me if you didn't have a dry bag if you think you got a pack that oh this keeps the water out pretty good and I don't plan on dumping my kayak. It's going to suck when all your stuff is wet. And uh, this is the first. I, I bought a good dry bag this time, and I was glad for it because you go through some of that white water, and you, you come down it, and you got water coming, <clears throat> splashing through your boat over everything. And the first the first couple we went through, I checked the, I checked the dry bag. I opened it. We took our first break. Let's have something to eat. And I opened it, and I was just like, Please be dry. Please be dry. Please be dry. It's the very beginning of the trip. And it was, in my mind, was at ease for the rest of the trip. I knew it was fine. I was not worried about anything being wet. And to me, that was the biggest thing was having all my stuff dry. Chris, did I didn't you have take any your... special gear. Okay. Chris, did you take your big pin dry bag? Yep. I had my big pin dry bag and my Abu Garcia um, dry backpack. How did those um, perform? So the pin dry bag was flawless um my abu garcia bag has been used a lot over like the past four years and so it's very worn but what was inside that bag was pelican cases so, so it didn't matter a bag a bag yeah. for cases now yeah. was there anything that you wish that you would have brought after yeah the i'm gonna go through a couple things here okay so the the things that that other people had that i wish that i had um, one, I wish that I had Mark's tent, <laughs> his, his, you know, his, yeah, that was pretty his hammock slash tent slash everything all rolled into one. Um, that was pretty freaking nice. 
Oh, dude, I did not have my sleeping pad. Alan mentioned sleeping pad. Everybody had a sleeping bag. Yeah. You know why I didn't bring one? Because I was already bringing so much shit, and they were giving me so much hell about having so much shit. I was like, if I bring a sleeping pad, this is just going to make them think I'm even more bougie. So I didn't bring one. And we all had them. They, they all freaking had them. So yep. night one, I was fine. Night two, my ass cheeks were cold. <laughs> It got cold the second <laughs> night. It had to have been upper 50s, I imagine. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wish I had um, was James's um, water pump. Dude, that thing was pretty yeah. freaking slick. So I have a Sawyer, and that's my backup. And it's just a yep. squeeze bag, kind of like what you were using, Mark. Yep. So, but, so explain explain to me. I don't know what a Sawyer is. Where are we pumping water so, from? We Sawyer, pumping out of the kayak. What are we doing? Sawyer is the name of the the brand name of a water filtration company, and they have different devices. You know, gravity fed devices, squeeze devices, things like that. Bottles that filter your your water. Okay. James had this pump, and it was basically, cool. it, it had a little. So, um, stone on the end of a hose and you let that kind of float in the river flow and then you <laughs> it sounded like that he's good yeah. Yeah. and it, you'd pump and it would fill up your Nalgene bottle and it screwed perfectly on top of an Nalgene bottle that thing was awesome now um, Biznick over here says Chris already knows what I'd say and yes, I do know what Nick would say. He wishes he brought more freaking rods on the <laughs> Did did Besnick break some rods? What happened? All, all we heard in the beginning of this was you guys when we were packing our stuff and we did like a mock-up of our kayaks at the bed and breakfast the night before we left, make sure we had everything, make sure that we knew how we were gonna stow everything in our boats. And he kept saying, he must have said three times at least, right, Chris, while we were eating dinner, while we were mocking everything up, you got to make sure that your rods are stowed good. And you got to make sure because people break rods on every trip. Every trip, somebody breaks a rod. Guess who it was and guess how many. <laughs> and I, I bet he was saying, bro, bro, you got to bring bro. some more rods, bro. bro. You got, and, and I, I got to say this. Chris, you were talking about worrying about being bougie, but the sentence just came out of Mark's mouth. While we were mark mocking everything up at the bed and breakfast before we head out into the wild oh, frontier. Dude. Have I mean, you seen pictures you guys that I've sound bougie already? Have you seen the pictures of the bed and breakfast that I've posted? I did not. It is awesome. Dude, is it bougie? Super clean. No. No, no, super clean, man. Um, extremely remote. It's it's sort of dirty but clean. Um, you know, it reminds me of my grandmother's place and my grandmother has this plaque that she had made and she said, my, my house is dirty enough to be happy, clean enough to be healthy. That's what that place reminded me of. So okay. was it just like dusty? Like, it's they, hadn't, like a, they hadn't moved around the pictures and the decor and wiped them yeah. off, but it was not clean even that. Or, it was or clean. Like, it's like a, it's, it's like a ranch house. Um, the inside of it, there's like three bedrooms. Pick where you're gonna stay. If you got a big party, there's like you know four beds and a pool table in this room. See you know, if you can pull up one of my pictures bed. on my it, on my. It uh, was it was cool, but but outside. So this is just the ranch house. You're not gonna spend any time in there, except sleeping. 
outside at the bed and breakfast, there is a long barn with an open front. And in that barn is a bar, like belly up to oh, the bar, bar boys, yeah. uh, a bar. And hanging from the roof of this place, inside all the rafters are all these old trash fishing reels. And yeah, we're salvaged out of the river for stuff. sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and there's chickens walking around because there's a chicken coop next to it. And there's horses out behind this barn. So you're hearing them. And then there's a big camper over probably, you know, 50, 60 yards from the barn. And next to that camper is, I don't even know how to explain it. Uh, I Maybe it was a well cistern for holding water for the ranch. I think ranch it used to be a pool. Point. Right, actually, used to be a it's pool. a stone above ground pool, uh, with fish in it. <laughs> and is that that so? That's where the rooster, the rooster tail, caught a fish. Yeah, I, yeah. I caught quite a few small, 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 um, long eared, um, sunfish, and then one big one. And he shit all over me. That shit a cricket all over his shirt. It was awesome. Dude, it, was, it was like cricket, cricket exoskeleton <laughs> just like sticking to my shirt. I'm sure it was one of your real sportswear shirts. Too. It was too, man. Yep. But it cleaned it. out just perfect. It was my uh, my uh, my Conroe Henley. Your yeah, there's your picture. Is it was an that, awesome bed and breakfast. The bed and breakfast is called the Who Cares Bed and Breakfast. So you it can is, imagine and how that's dusty what it is when you're there. Like nothing matters. Who cares? Do what you yeah. want. There's there's the very first bedroom that you walk into, right there. I see a lot of fans. What? It is in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was comfortable. comfortable though. Yeah, I had no complaints about my comfort. That's for sure. And then in the morning, you got to share an egg kiss roll. Sit down huh? at the kitchen okay, table. Okay, hold on, hold on. Say that one more time. Egg casserole. I, egg casserole. Okay, I did not hear egg casserole. I I don't know what I heard while I was closing. I think that. I said egg casserole. I was like, "What the hell did Chris just say that you have to share?" I think I said egg casserole with a yeah. bunch of guys at the. But I didn't care too much about the, the casserole. I wanted them biscuits, boy. Yeah. And nah, guys, it was cool. You guys had egg casserole and didn't have to use a wag bag. Go figure. That's that's crazy. and we had we had uh some whiskey and shiner the night before too. Yeah. Oh lord. Out at the well, bar. We you know, it was good. Guys, we are an hour and twenty-four minutes into this. These straight trippings are usually supposed to be like quick hitters, but I think this was this has been a great conversation. It, it's kinda I know it's made me want to go on this trip even more. Just, just listen. You want to go on it? Yeah. yeah, but but before we get off here, I, I want to ask you guys one more question. Just, just some for people who are thinking about going. What is you know? What are some tips that you can give them? You know, we've already let, let, let's kind of maybe summarize everything that we we've talked about so far. But what what are some tips that you want to give them, and what are some things that really you guys think made this trip so special? I got the I got the special part. Well, go ahead. Start. start All right. Spe- what what made this All trip right. so special? All right. So here's the special part. Now. 
maybe this is just because I'm a guy from upstate New York, but the entire three days floating down this river, I kept looking up at the tops of these bluffs. And I'm telling you right now, not only did I feel like I was being watched, but I felt like every time I looked up, I should see Indians sitting on horses, somebody looking down on us. And it was not a spooky haunting feeling. It was just like, and it wasn't like being in a Clint Eastwood movie. It was just like, this is how it's supposed to be. I should look up and see somebody up there looking down on us. And on the third day, we got separated from James. James went downstream from us, and we caught up with him an hour to an hour and a half later. And we were in some really thick braided water. And when we found him, it, we came into this huge, wide open section of the river. Giant, expansive turquoise with a big bluff on this side and a big bluff on that side. And it had to have been two football fields wide. It was huge, deep water. Yeah, that was probably the widest, it one was. Of the widest spots that we were. Yeah. And there was James, probably 250 yards downriver on a giant boulder, standing there. As on the soon go -go as he came out, he did this. Hey, I'm over here. Cool. And then he starts doing this. And I'm like, why is he pointing to the left? I'm thinking he's telling us we need to go left. Why do we need to go left? It looks all deep. I don't get it. And then I realized that he's not pointing left. He's pointing left and up. So I start scanning that bluff that he's pointing at. And down at the end of it, I finally saw what I was waiting and expecting. There's bodies up on this rock cropping that sticks out. And these guys had been telling me that there were mountain goats out there called Audads. Mm -hmm. I know that they've been placed in Texas. They're not like a native. They've been They're there since I think the 40s. Chili. Okay. Delicious and chilly. Well, when we got there, they were, and I looked back at Nick and Chris, and I was like, "Holy shit, guys! Look, 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 look!" And it, I was like, "This is awesome. This is like nothing to do with fish, nothing to do with the river. This is what's making the trip for me." And when we got down to James, he said that he had been there for forty-five minutes or more, just hanging out, waiting for us, drinking some water. And when he saw, turned and saw me. He took a drink of water, and then he looked up, and those mountain goats were there. And we hung out with James on that rock, and they watched us the entire time. They showed up when we showed up. When we started packing up, getting back in our kayaks to leave, they left. They showed up when we showed up. They left when we were getting ready to leave. And James said something about, oh, they heard your voices, and they came out. And I said, you know what? That's probably the truth. But the Indians that used to live out here, would have had a total different reason for why that happened. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's that's why that trip is special, because stuff like that is going to happen. Well, they could have showed up because there was a man on top of a rock waving his hands. like Waving his hands. And they're they like, like, what's what he trying to get our attention that? for? <laughs> <laughs> is there a big-ass bird down there? What is bro, they were looking straight at us. Like, you could tell. Yeah. Like, they were they looking were studying at us, us and watching us. It was crazy. Mark, it sounds like on this trip, you kind of, I don't want to say you were transformed, but it's like the place transformed around you. Like it was just, 
it was a different environment than you were expecting, and it kind of took you to a different place that you were not expecting to go. I've been in deserts before, but I've never been any place like this. And it did. Um, my buddy up here, JP, as soon as I got back and he started asking me questions, I went over to his place and was talking to him. He kind of said the same thing. And it did. My whole ride home, I was thinking about it. It changed a lot of stuff. And I mean, in my in my mind, uh, I'm like, I need to I need to find more places like this. I don't do big road trips, fishing trips. I have so much water up here. I take it for granted. I can I have a creek right behind my house and I have two other rivers I can be on in a two minute drive. And the Adirondack Park is 30 minutes from my house down there. If you had walked away from that river, you probably would have died of exposure and dehydration. Um, and that really hit me that I take for granted what I have up here, so much of it. And down there, that's the one place for miles and miles and miles. I don't know how many dry riverbeds I crossed on my way there. Um, the place is so special. And that's what I was realizing the entire time I was on it. And my whole trip home, my mind was just going back over and back over and back over. I'm still reliving it in my head every day at work. It's amazing. It's crazy to think that Chris and Besnick took you on a spiritual journey. That's, that's, that's what just, it ended up being. That's, that's I, I'll admit it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, right? <laughs> that's crazy to think that those two are the ones that helped you along your spiritual journey. We're just, hey, River. hey, Nick and I, we're just two wild and crazy guys. Part two. <sighs> Doing what wild and crazy guys do. Hey, look. I will, I, I will say this much. I... I the, I did a pike trip to Connecticut right before this, and I came home the next day, and I, I'm writing my third book, and I wrote the chapter for that pike trip in three and a half hours like that. And I told myself, after this Texas trip, this is the last story for the book. I'm going to come home. I'm taking that Monday off. I'm not going to work, and I'm going to write this story. Done. I've been working on this story since I came back. It still ain't done yet. It's going to be so long. I'm going to have to scale it down so much it's that big. For just three days. Or just start a new Devil's River book. Yeah, I thought about that too. <laughs> take take a few more trips. Take a few more trips. We need to do a yep. longer one. We See need to do a longer more all dads. Do a, do a five do a day one. trip or something like that. So I know, Drew, you want to you wanna sort of wind this thing down. And before we um, we get to Mark's, like his social media and, and where people can find him and stuff like that. I do have a story that I want to tell. And part of it goes back to what we were talking about earlier um, about like survival on a river. Okay. And or not just survival on a river, but survival in, in nature in general. Um, there is something that I was taught at a very young age that no matter where you're going and what you're doing, um, whether it's in a city or whether it's in nature, always, always, always pay attention to your surroundings, right? Pick out landmarks and make them special. Make them important because you might need to get back to that landmark. This is awesome. And this is the what happened. We were talking about the place where Mark caught his, his big smallmouth. Okay. And we were really, really, really into this place that we were fishing. It was um it was just a bunch of what what did you call them? Uh threads or 
I call them braids when the river braids, goes off in okay. a bunch of tiny little streams and other and directions. Just tons of little streams and multiple directions and pools that you could fish. And I had been walking, walking, walking across all of these braids and falling and falling and falling and falling and falling. And I got to the where I wanted to fish and I started fishing there and I was having a lot of fun. I was catching a lot of fish and I was taking pictures of them and having a good time. And then Nick was like, hey, it's time to go. We got to get down the river. So I put packed everything up and I start walking towards them. I get in my kayak. We make our way down the river. I don't know. How how long did we? 20 minutes? 30 minutes? I'm not 30 sure. minutes tops. Okay. So 30 minutes down the river, we get to this opening where we have to uh, portage our kayaks. But it looks really cool. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to take a picture of these guys going through it. No, you're not. I reach into my pocket and I go, shit, dude, I lost my phone. And they're like, no. One, you can't lose your phone on the Devil's River. Okay? it's That's not going to happen. Two, how in the hell do you find your phone on the Devil's River? How do, how do you go back and find it? I told these guys, okay, put this, in, put this in your hat, fellas and ladies, if you're listening. Nick had the perfect plan. Chris, you've got 30 minutes. You can go 30 minutes upriver, and at that point in 30 minutes, we start walking upriver. That way, we're never really far behind each other, right? You have a buddy system in place. Now, in my mind, I'm pissed, okay? And I'm just like, I'm, I'm pulling my kayak upriver, and I'm going, where in the hell is my phone? And I said, to myself, I said, there's no way I'm going to find it kicking around the rocks right here. What I've got to do is I've got to go all the way back to a place that I can actually recognize. And then I've got to start tracing my steps back. So along the river, <laughs> we see this hoodoo. So cool. So cool. <laughs> we see this hoodoo way, way back. Okay. Not, we're looking not, at this, not like a kayak. A hoodoo. Not a kayak. Right, right. An actual hoodoo, right? Which a hoodoo is basically a um a, a carving created by the wind in a mountainside the wind has created a structure that looks like something all right and at first we look at it miles and miles back from where this happened and that hoodoo looks like someone praying yep all right and then we look at it like from the side like another mile down the river we're like huh now it looks like some lady with long hair holding a VHS camera <laughs> recording someone like that's weird. Seriously. And that at that point, that's where we got out of our kayaks. We tied our kayaks up to some bushes and that's when we started to wade this area to fish. So I told myself, I'm going to go back to where I see the praying hoodoo. I pulled my kayak an entire mile up river to, until I could see the praying hoodoo. First, I saw it, you know, the VHS. Actually, I saw it. It looked like a phallic symbol. <laughs> and then it looked like the, the lady with the VHS. Then it looked like the praying person. I said, all right. Different angles. Now, different angles. Yep. Those are three different parts of the river. Completely different things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
So, I don't know what God's trying to tell you there. At, Go ahead. Once yeah, I saw the praying person, I said, I'm getting in my kayak. And now I'm going to paddle. I'm going to try and take the exact same path that I took until I see the lady with the VHS camera. At that point, I'm going to look for the bushes that we tied our kayaks to. I saw the, the hoodoo at the point where it looked like a lady with a VHS camera. I looked over to my right. I found the bushes that we tied our kayaks to. I said, tie my kayak up. Now, I'm going to trace my steps to every damn place that I fell. <laughs> I traced my steps all the way back to the very last place that I fell. And sure as shit, I'm looking there and I see this square outline that has already been covered up by limestone dust. Just a very rectangular edge. Now, what's funny is Nick said, Chris, you've got 30 minutes to find your phone. And then we start coming for you. I find my freaking phone over a mile away, upriver. I look at my watch and it's exactly 30 minutes <laughs> from the time he tells me that. I've got 30 minutes. It would have never happened if you if we hadn't spotted that landmark and thought it was so cool and remarked about what it looked like at these different points. You would have never been able to get to it, that spot. It would have been very, 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 very difficult, man. Yep. Um, although I do pick out landmarks as I'm going through whatever you know trail. I mean, because I'm a, an experienced hiker and it drives my wife crazy. She's like, she's like, how in the hell can you make your way around without like a map or GPS or anything like that? And I'm like, well. I know which way the sun's moving, okay? And I know which way north is, which can tell me which way south, east, west is at. I can pretty much make my way anywhere if I know my my bearings, if I have my bearings about me. But then also picking out landmarks helps me figure out where I am and where I need to go or where I came from even. Yep. So, yeah, it was very instrumental and me being able to get back and find my phone. Who was but, the first person that said that land, that hoodoo looks like a long haired lady with a VHS camera and everybody else was like, you know what? It sure does. That that Chris, damn sure does look like a lady Chris, with a VHS Chris camera. First it, it looked like the praying I was person. Thinking it. But first it looked like a praying person. And I don't yep. remember who said it looked like a praying person. Yep. But um, but yeah, once then as we were going by, we looked up again and we're like, oh, shit, that changed. It yep. looks like a lady holding a VHS camera. But that was the key to it. And that could have been the key. Maybe it wouldn't have been finding a cell phone, but that could have been the key to finding anything super important. Uh, even a way off the river that you something I, I the whole the whole thing to his story is that that landmark found his phone but that could have found anything of extreme importance on that trip. You think you can't get lost on a river because it just goes downstream or upstream, but nope. You gotta, it, you gotta do that stuff. And yeah, the river, I mean, the river tried to take my phone. Yeah. I mean, right, right then after I dropped it, it immediately started to claim it. That river wasn't trying to take your phone. 
Oh that, yeah, it was. That's that what... river was teaching you a lesson in life, Chris. The river <laughs> took your phone and gave it back all in twenty nine <laughs> minutes and forty five seconds. And I, I'm I'm buying a freaking tether for that son of a bitch, man. <laughs> it was a a thirty minute life lesson that that yep. river was teaching you. And the Indians that used to be down there and the all dad God was teaching yep. you something well, that and, day. And there's something that there I can is. bring back and share with you guys on the Paddler's Playbook. Um, it's a great story, man. And I got back and these guys were, were honestly, they were on their way up the river. Yep. We started up river. Yep. They had already started up river and I was making my way back to them and I was almost back to them and, uh, they were yelling my name. And so I was yelling back because that's basically the way that you do it. Okay. You start, you know, yelling and you're basically asking for a report, you know, from someone else. And I yelled back to him and I was like, you'll never believe this. And they're like, no way. And I'm like, I got this. motherfucker. <laughs> I found it. It was amazing. Yep. Uh, it was pretty crazy. True story. All right. So Mark, um yeah. look we always end these episodes with a chance for our guests to tell everyone um where they can be found um you know tell them about you know maybe a couple of your books that you've got out there where they can be found okay um, and a little bit more about yourself and your sponsors so i'm an author I, I'm, a, I'm a maintenance guy during the day but i write books about fishing Life stories where fishing happens is what a buddy says. So that's that's what I go with. Um, I wrote, first one was Reflections of a Fly Rod, and the second one is called Carper Jerks. You can find them on Amazon in paperback or ebook format, and you can also find them on jprossflyrods.com, which is the company that I'm connected to. Uh, we build fly rods. You can get my books on there. And um, I don't have a huge social media presence. I just do Instagram and Facebook and, you know, post up about this book that I'm writing now that's almost done because of this trip. And as soon as this trip is done, that book will be out hopefully by November, I'm hoping. And it's going to be called Not All Trout Are Geniuses. They're not books that you're going to learn anything in unless you learn something from this podcast tonight by mistake uh, with our stories. That's how you would learn from them. They are strictly, they are just stories about life and fishing. That's it. They've got a very good following, by the way. They 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 seem to. For I, I self-publish. I keep flirting with the idea of going to a publishing company, but I like doing everything on my own my way, which is it it's it's good because I'm stubborn and I do things my way, but you know. I got a big enough file following to make me happy. I just want people to read the stories and relate and say, you know what? I'm calling a sick and going fishing tomorrow because of that story. Screw this. Here, here's, here's what's funny, man. We make our way down South, right? Or he makes his way down South and he's kind of hanging with us and we're doing this, you know, trip. And then we say, Hey, let's go fish some salt. And then, Hey, by the way, let's stop into this, uh, this retail shop. I'm wearing this hat right now. The fly trap, right? The fly yeah, trap. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yep. And uh, we walk in there and the, and Chris Fowler's like, oh, dude, I just read your book. <laughs> and Mark's like, you did? It's <laughs> like, hell yeah, I did. I can't, I mean, I can't believe I'm meeting you. You know, he's like really excited about meeting Mark. So 
uh, yeah, he does have a following, man. And uh, a lot of fly guys, man. A lot of fly fishermen. I don't think many conventional fishermen <laughs> read reflections of a fly rod, but um, I've, I've got a few. I tell I, them they're I, just fishing stories, you know. I've got both books, and I'm going to do my best to read them. I'm a narcoleptic reader, so as soon as I start, I'm like <sighs> falling asleep. Maybe I'll do the audiobook thing. You know how many people told me to do an audiobook, and I was like, who the heck would I get to read it? You, Gilbert man. Godfrey. Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert Godfrey would be awesome. Oh Gilbert Godfrey <laughs> to read it. Now, you just talked about uh, Chris being excited to meet him. And uh, this kind of comes full circle to the beginning of this episode. Um, whenever I was at the Cats tournament, I had some guys that were like, oh, you're Drew from the podcast. And I'm like, yeah. And they were like, all right, um, can I have three fajitas, please? And that was the end of the conversation because they were just worried about getting the fajitas that me and Kyle were down there cooking. There wasn't nothing else. They were like, hey, you're from the podcast. Can I have my fajitas, please? Two scoops of beans. Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to eat. Here. It's got well, to go beyond that because they probably told all their buddies, "Yeah, you know Drew from the podcast. He made our fajitas." Well, no, Chris was up there. Chris was up there on the podium, and guys were yelling like, "Talk about the podcast! Talk about the podcast!" I'm there the whole time, and they're just like, "Can I have my fajitas, please? Like, just give me my food. I'm done." But you know, it, it was it was great to have another straight tripping. Um, Again, we're sorry about the hiatus that we had, guys. If if you're listening to this, I hope you can hear the audio quality is much better than last episode. I have my real mic on today. Yeah, we have our real mics, our real setups. We're going to get back in the groove here. Um, while we were out, we still had a lot of downloads for the show, which was awesome that you guys are sticking with us. And we're still finding new bro staff members um, people are finding the show new every day. We keep getting messages. Just found the show. This is awesome. Um, telling us, you know, di different things and different comments. But we're also on Facebook. We're also on Instagram. You can find all the shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you know, everywhere that you can find podcasts, we're out there. So I, I really want you guys to... You know, engage online, engage with us, engage with our sponsors. Hardy Fishing um, is a sponsor of this episode, Real Sportswear, ACK. And of course, this episode again came to you live from the Bait Butler studio. Chris, you got anything else before we get out of here, man? Hey, you know what, guys? Look up Mark on social media. Um, although he doesn't post a whole lot, he does have a regular schedule. Of posts. One a day. <laughs> One post a day. You'll find it about 5 a.m. in the morning. Yep. <laughs> 6 a.m. his time. And if you decide not to go to work and go fishing or hiking or camping instead, that post did its job. There you go. That's it. I don't need too much motivation to do that. <laughs> I, I, I don't uh, even need a post. I'm just. <laughs> so I already, as I left work today, I said, see you Monday. They were like, huh? And I said, yeah, I'm sick tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Going fishing the weather. Monday's the Columbus Day, man. The Hobie's on the on roof. Monday, too. Yeah, some people will. I might go. But the Hobie's on the roof, and I'm going tomorrow. Right on, be too nice go to go wash to off some of that dirt. I saw That's it was so filthy. Yeah, that was like an, uh, that Devil's River Road dust on that kayak. The leche. Was like 
like somebody famous their autograph that you don't want to wash off your hand. I didn't want to wash it off the kayak. It's just too cool. <laughs> right on, man. Well, let's get out of here, guys. We appreciate everybody listening. Uh, this was a great straight tripping episode. Chris, we need to do more of these straight tripping episodes. Man. Anytime, brother. Let's take some trips. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, bro staff, we're out of here. We'll see you later. See ya. Peace.